I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts... Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, the Utes roll the Buffaloes, and we get you ready for the Pac-12 Championship game as the Utes take on the Ducks. And we're joined by Adam Shameo from the Quack 12 Podcast to help give an inside look into the Oregon Ducks. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And Scott. What is up, Utes? Pac-12 South champions again. We just slobber-knocked <laughs> the uh, the South Division. Back-to-back, back, baby. Back-to-back. Back. I think we just slobber-knocked Chris Peterson, too. We're knocking everybody out of, our, out of our path. What is up with that? Witt beats him on his home turf, goes to the Pac-12 championship, and Chris Peterson's like, I'm out. Well, you know, he don't he don't wit for so long that I think wit broke him. <laughs> it was a, a crazy weekend. Alabama loses, helps Utah's chances in the playoffs. Utah clinches the Pac-12 South, and then as Ryan just said, Chris Peterson announced Monday afternoon that he's stepping down um, at, at Washington. Just craziness all around. Uh, Utah. Still got to take care of business, though, against the Ducks. One more, baby. One more that is monumental. Oh, Friday can't get here soon enough. I'm t- This season has just been so, so fun, such a, a special season. It's it, it's incredible. And and it was senior day, and the fans, they, they came. It was... They were on time? They were Thank on you, time. Thank you, fans. I was on time, even though Scott tried to claim on Twitter I wasn't. Well, you were not early as it, we were. It was fun. It was exciting. The only ones who weren't on time was the guy, the announcer and the camera guys. They weren't together. <laughs> yeah, the, the cameramen, <laughs> yeah. were they like on Pacific time or something? <laughs> Holy cow. Tyler Huntley. Oh, look, there goes Lucky Fotu. They're, <laughs> they're, they're showing guys that were named like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, it, that was rough. That, that, that was rough. But no, it, it was great. Watching the it was, it was like they were class. putting they were putting together like the reenactment of landing on the moon. <laughs> they just had all these shots and they couldn't figure out where they go. I I swear I I can't with you two sometimes. <laughs> I'm we landed on a, the moon. I'm trying to have a special moment with the senior class. It's like those old kung fu movies, like the the, the bad the bad lip reading or the bad <laughs> translation. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's World. I'll have a cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, good times. That was, you know, really, really want to hand it to that crew. They did a st- stupendous job. They must be the same crew that's taken over the, you know, in between the third and fourth quarters. <laughs> between, uh, because that has gone to hell. <laughs> What? Okay. This is going down a tangent, obviously, but how how in the world, how many times this season has the cannon only th- fired three shots going into the fourth quarter? And they're like mini shots now. <laughs> it's like they stole my, my son's little tap gun. Tap gun or cap gun? Cap gun. <laughs> but it sounds more like a tap. It's like a poof. Poof. And then he... And then what? We can't afford blank cannons. We but we spent all the money on the fireworks show. After apparently, I'm, I'm I'm convinced Mark Harlan has some has some stock in a firework company somewhere. <laughs> that dude loves fireworks. It was like That's a true. 15 minute show after the game <laughs> for like the 12 fans that stuck around. <laughs> 
It was better than uh, the f- the start of the fourth quarter, a little exhibition. Man, and people thought the drum was bad. People were, there was no energy to start that fourth quarter because there's literally nothing going on. They don't do anything anymore. Do you know why? It's because they play songs like Sweet Caroline. Oh, I knew you were going to go there. Suck everything out of the stadium. Oh my gosh. They're. Uh, this is a podcast for another day. We have better things to talk I was, about. I was kind of but... hoping the camera, the in-stadium camera, would put us on the Jumbotron while, they, while we were singing Sweet Caroline so we could see what Scott and I were doing to Cameron. <laughs> it, it's borderline assault. <laughs> so the seniors... But Cam liked it. <laughs> so the senior class... Good golly. I try. I try. <laughs> So the senior class, again, Utah fans showed up. It was loud. It was great to send them off that way. But I do think that maybe that's reason why Utah kind of started a little slow. It was a little emotional. They they were a little too in touch with uh, some heartfelt thoughts, and they came out and played like it. That, that, that first quarter, I was having 2011 flashbacks. Yeah, it was... A- Obviously, it was early in the game, but man, there were some nerves there after they scored first, and we didn't look good. No, so yeah, Utah, first series, three plays, seven yards. They punted. They got the muff punt recovered, but then they lost three yards and had a punt again. And then a third series, they went three plays and seven yards again. So you start the game out with three three and outs. I think it was it the second quarter great. before we had a first down, wasn't it? It yeah. was. I think it was actually the with seconds ticking off in the first quarter. I remember looking up. Oh, that's right. Because the crowd that was almost as the the crowd the crowd's cheer for that first first down was almost as loud as the senior recognition. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been mean, granted to Utah. You know, they once they kind of got that out of their system, they they were able to regroup and kind of get that offense going again. Brant Keithy, though, heck of a game. Well, he he was he was the offense in that really in that entire first half. Tyler Huntley did not look comfortable. He couldn't find anybody open. The O line was not protecting. He had guys in his face running at him, and and then on top of that, they were they were dead set on stopping the run. Yeah. Oh, I I and they I, were stopping it. I tweeted yeah. this out after watching the game um, again at uh, home. You got to give Colorado a lot of credit. They came without with a very great game plan. Where was that defense when they were playing USC? <laughs> right. I've I've watched a handful of Colorado games this year. They've been awful defensively, and all of a sudden they just turned into this stout defense. It was. I mean, you got to think about it, right? They're playing for a bowl game. They're on the road. They they kind of have the emotion of wanting to to spoil Utah special season, being a top six team on the road. I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, but again, credit, credit Colorado. They they had, had a great game plan, uh, really controlled that line of scrimmage, controlled the middle of the field where Moss couldn't really, couldn't break anything. Uh, I think Moss finished with 88 yards, but even in the fourth quarter, he had, he was only at 40. Well, the, the offense kind of took over, and, and Colorado's will was broken at that point, and Moss started getting some chunk yards, and yeah. ends up with 88 on the on, on the game, which, you know, doesn't look, you know, it's not great, but it doesn't look horrible either. But you're right, early on, we were getting nothing out of the run game. Even in short yardage situations, we couldn't even get a yard. It was, and, and that, to me, is a little bit concerning going into this Pac-12 title game that... Where is our run game? And and obviously Oregon's gonna see what Colorado did to slow the run game down. And you're gonna you're gonna see some uh, some of that this Friday night because that's that's gonna be their mo. They they got they gotta shut down Moss. So it puts it on tape. A bit of a concern, but Utah you know started to started change a few things as the game went on. And and handled that pressure better in the passing game, and eventually started to break a little bit more in the run game. But yeah, I mean you're right. Kudos to to Colorado because they they actually played really well defensively. They had guys that were just locked on to Moss. I, you could tell that was their their assignment was just to control that one gap, 
and do not let Zach Moss get past you. Well, they they were blitzing, they were run blitzing, and they were stunting yeah. all over the place. And, I, and, and there just and, was no holes. And to credit that, I think they were, they, that was kind of the first team, I think, all season that's been able to kind of control Zach Moss, if you, if you want to put it that way. Um, and I know we kind of got frustrated with Ludwig because he didn't he he just kept kept going at it. And part of me, I wish he would have opened it up a little bit more. Um, but we saw glimpses of it with the ends arounds with Keithy, with Dixon, with Vickers. I think that really helped kind of open up the offense. And and to your point, yeah, I think Oregon is going to see this. They're going to copy a lot of it. But then I also think it helps Utah that they did see it this week, so then they can better prepare for it. Oh, you bet. Well, and, and hopefully, you know, they can better prepare for end-of-half situations because it's two weeks in a row that uh, did not perform all that well um, on a short clock going into into the end zone. At least they got points. They did get three points this time, so uh, it is a step in the right direction. But, no, I mean, you know, with, the, with, the, with it being senior day, the pressure that was on the team in that game, ABC televised game, you know, uh, probably some jitters there a little bit, and and it took a little while to to knock it off. But the thing that impressed me, and and my takeaway from this game is, I did not think the offense was overly impressive. I did not think the defense was all that. I mean, they were good, but they weren't their normal self, and we still won forty-five to fifteen. That tells you where this team's at. They were not playing out of their heads offensively. They still scored 45 points. They, I, think, I think it's natural to come into a game like that with a team that you know you're better than and have that slow start but still be able to put those points on the board. I mean, if they come focused against Oregon, and we'll get into this a little bit later. But, yes, um, but we cannot, the slow start, we cannot have a slow start against Oregon. I, I, I do not like the idea of getting behind them early. No, and I mean, we've seen Oregon, you know, being able to have flashes where they can score a lot quickly. Um, so to, those points are valid, yes. You you can't get behind it. But I think uh, as much as I, I want to complain, maybe that I wanted Ludwig to open up a little bit more, I have to, I do have to give him a lot of credit uh, because when things weren't working for the offense, he he was finding ways, um, as I said, to kind of get um, other guys um, involved. And tell you, I mean, does that end around to Keithy? Has it? Has anyone stopped it yet? Nope. Nope. I, I guarantee we all, Oregon's going to be game planning. Oh, sure they will. But we've seen it now for what three weeks, and every time he goes in motion, we we think we see it coming, but nobody can stop well, it. But he goes in motion. I, I swear he's in motion. Fifty percent of the snaps. That's the thing I love about Ludwig's offense is just all the pre-snap movement. It's fun to watch. How about that Hallandell trio? Oh, you mean the duo? <laughs> no, it's back to a trio. It should be back to a trio. Okay, okay, hear me out. Hear me out. I love the kick return or punt return because it was the first one of the season. It was it was really it was the first special team score of the season. Okay, but he was a duo to start the game. He he, he almost be- <laughs> he then caught a one of our punts a yard into the end zone when that, we should have been down and at the one. That was horrendous. That was bad. That was bad. And then he fumbles a punt return. Luckily that we recovered, but it's a good thing we recovered because it was at our ten yard he line. Actually, almost fumbled the kickoff he took back for the he touchdown. <laughs> so he was a duo to start the game, or he was out of the trio to start the game. Two steps down, and in my opinion, the punt return just gets him back to level playing field. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, Simpkins Simpkins is one of the most frustrating players on this team because he has moments like that where he's just he's a stud, and he has moments you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like recovering the punt a yard into the end zone. Oh, I'll tell you. I mean, hey, love it. That was huge for momentum. Get that score without getting the offense onto the field. Got the crowd light on fire. I mean, it was absolutely huge. And that's really good because that's two games, a trend that we've gotten now in the punt return game where we're starting to get something out of it. Well, we all, I mean, we were one, one tackle away from Blackman running one back. Right. And so, and now 
going into this Oregon game with there being a threat in the special teams, in the, or at least in the punt return, that gives me some confidence, and, and, and hopefully those guys have some confidence to go out and, and make some plays. So it's great, but it still does not take away from the frustration <laughs> that that dude gives me. <laughs> He's close. He's close to getting back into the trio. If we, if, we, if we take care of business on Friday, he's back. They will complete the season as a trio again. Before we wrap up the offense, um, I do want to talk about Tyler Huntley. Uh, 14 of 17, 165 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Lonely time. Okay, you can proceed now, Cameron. <laughs> so I said Huntley. A very efficient game, even though it kind of started rocky. Um, Huntley doesn't have the big numbers as as other quarterbacks, but I I just love the fact that he's just he does what he has to do to get this team going and to win, and he just kind of plays within the offense. I I can't with him. <laughs> the look on Scott's face right now. It's like he's dreaming of Tyler Huntley. It's all in the hips. <laughs> Do you have a statue update? Yeah, yeah. We are uh, we are in our final stages. I'm just uh, awaiting uh, the the bronze, liquid bronze, to be delivered so we can bronze him up. Should be it should be delivered any moment, but uh, we're we're still waiting on that. Got to figure out uh, how to get the statue into the bronze. Got to heat it up on the stove. The stove? What is this like? A, a got to get it liquid. Got to get it liquefied. So you can dip it in. How big's your stove in your pot? You'd be surprised. How big's the statue? You'd be surprised. Don't speak ill of my Tyler Huntley statue. Going well though. I'm. Uh, you guys are gonna be. You guys are gonna be impressed with. Gonna this take thing. the place of the, the Olympic cauldron in the South End Zone. <laughs> yes, and then and then I af- after I turn this over to the U, um, you know, to display at Rice Cycle Stadium, I, I fully expect an order for Kyle Whittingham next. The only good thing with the season coming to an end is I don't have to deal with Scott's love affair with Huntley. <laughs> Who doesn't have a love affair with Tyler, though, at this point? Well, I'm just the only one expressing <laughs> mine through bronze. <laughs> Which, when you think about it, it's kind of weird. All right, before we jump into the defense, if you're looking for tickets to the Utah game, Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all events, whether it's the football game, a concert, anything you want to do, or anywhere you want to go, you want to check out the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit when they purchase tickets using their app. Go to their app store and download the Vivid Seats app, and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program. Now, every purchase is backed 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Now, for our listeners, we're running a special promo. If you enter the code OVERTIME at checkout, you'll receive a discount up to $100. So the Utah defense, it lights out again. Um, they they held Colorado to 217 yards. Uh, they they limited them to 15 points. I mean, that last touchdown kind of came in the, in the fourth quarter there. Bradley and I, how awesome was it for, for him to tie the sack record it would have been i mean it would have been even better if he broke it there in rice cycles but what what a, a special group of guys i mean it is fantastic to have been watching him play all year and great to see him get the to tie the school record he could have beat it with a safety if it wasn't for those dang officials okay since you brought it up <laughs> it's time to talk about these officials Go this ahead. is ridiculous Dude, he was he was five yards into the end zone, and then the little the little snowflake official picks up his flag and tosses it out. I don't know what he thought he saw to throw it. Out. He just didn't want to give him a safety. 
I mean, it ha- that's clear. They didn't have contact until they were pretty much in the end zone. <laughs> and not to mention, they feel the kickoff literally on our sideline. The guy is a foot out of bounds or in front of the referee. Right in front of the referee. And he misses it. Who are these dudes? The offsides on the punt early in the game, which would have given us a first down. The holding that I could see in the north end zone from, what, row 29, I could see how many holds were being made. I mean, it was just absolutely I, I think the worst was the, the little fight. Well, yeah, a, nice, a nice helmet's about to get ripped off and thrown. he's thrown to the ground, and they they don't even call the punch. That's what makes me so mad. And, and Scott, you and I kind of talked about this um, a little bit ago, but it it infuriates me that a nice on the ground, on his knees, and a Colorado player comes up and just shoves him. And the refs come over and get in the middle of it, and they just let it go. But when things are getting that chippy, the refs lose all control. And then you're going to start throwing flags on little ticky-tacky crap. After that, you have a Colorado player throwing punches and nothing. It's ridiculous. How many times was Colorado jumping on the pile after the play? And they only got called for it once. Zach Moss' helmet gets ripped off and nothing. Nick Ford's helmet got ripped off. You're telling me there was no illegal hands to the face? And I get it. Your refs are gonna miss stuff. It, there's a human element to but refereeing. That's a lot of stuff they miss. It's it's getting it. Okay. It's it's frustrating. You know what's funny is we're used to this. This has been since we've joined the Pac-12, and this isn't just a Utah thing. This is something every team in this conference has faced. So this isn't just they're picking on Utah. No, they suck for everybody. Here's the funny thing: is Utah. The last month of the season, Utah and Oregon have been the face of the conference. The conference needs them to win desperately. Oregon loses two weeks ago. Now it's Utah. Utah is their only hope. And literally, we can't get a call to save our lives in these last two weeks. No, we can never. Our defense never gets holding calls. It Ever. It it doesn't. I just don't understand. It's almost like they think the team we're playing is rumored for the playoffs. It's I I literally can't comprehend. And I'm not expecting favoritism and get these freebie calls, but just but call it legitimate. Just call it like it is, and stop ignoring all this stuff that happens time in and time. Every game. Well, this particular crew is awful. Do you remember the same crew we had against Idaho State earlier in the year? And we had four reviews in a row, and these guys couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, and two of them were after the play had ended. The, the, the next play, play had started. Had ended. Yes. Same thing. It was the same thing Saturday. Do you know how many times they huddled for 10 minutes trying to figure out, well, uh, uh, what are we going to call here? <laughs> Why'd you throw that flag? I mean, it was just... And the thing that's frustrating is in the offseason, the Pac-12, man, they 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 hire an outside third party to come in and really go through the referees, retrain them, find out where all the mistakes are happening, where they're coming up short. And I, there's no there's been no improvement whatsoever with oh. this with these referees. I mean, we talked about a couple weeks ago when in the Washington State game when Washington State should have received additional yards on a penalty and they and they were penalized. I can I can hardly wait to see how we're gonna get screwed on Friday. You know it's coming. It happened on the late PI last week last year with Murphy riding uh COC Mariner like a cowboy through the desert on a hot day. Still bitter about that. <laughs> so yes the the refs the refs suck. Back Getting to the back defense. to the defense. Uh, a, a phenomenal oh, is that game. what we were talking about? <laughs> so I, I do want to talk about a little bit. So Jalen Johnson appeared to have an ankle injury. He did come back in the next series, um, but then he was out the rest of the game. Um, I did notice when the game was over, he went straight into the locker room. 
Um, he he didn't stay out and kind of celebrate. Yeah, I was nervous when he went down because uh, I think Utah Utah's going to need him against defense. Oregon. But, oh, for but sure. if he, I mean, I don't even know if we want to go down this road. But if he's not there, how much faith do we have in I, a Trick Lewis? I think he's going to be just fine. He came back into the game. Witt said if the if the game was on the line, he could have finished. Um, I mean that's coach speak. You know, he's not going to give away anything. Uh. Especially to Oregon, but uh, but but what did say in the presser today that you know they came out uh, came out pretty healthy and uh, again right he's not gonna he's not gonna um, underline anything there for for Oregon but he's not missing this game will he be a hundred percent probably not but he'll he'll be out there and 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 he'll be effective but in, but in the thirteenth game of the season how many guys are a hundred percent healthy yeah I mean and and realistically I'm I'm thrilled with where we're at as a health standpoint going into this game. I mean, look at last year. We lost Covey at right at first play after halftime. You go into the game without Huntley and Moss. We're we're looking really, really good health-wise going into this game. And, uh, you know, Oregon, they're, they're beat up too. They they're, Their starting center's been out the last couple of games, so they've got their issues. So it's not just something we're dealing with, but... Uh, um, We've been we've been pretty fortunate this year. We need that to last. Knock on wood for a keep few on, more games. Keep it coming. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So as everyone knows, Utah's facing Oregon this week in the Pac-12 championship game. Looking at these teams, something I thought was kind of striking to me because, you know, you think of Oregon, you kind of think of the offenses uh, with Chip Kelly, you know, high power, putting up a lot of yards. Right now, Oregon and Utah average the exact same on offense per game. And I would venture to say outside of their very first game when they played Auburn, we're going to be the best defense they've faced all year. According to uh, Mr. Cristobal. Cristobal? Cristobal. <laughs> He, uh, Depends on where you emphasize the syllable. <laughs> it's Cristobal. So uh, he, he said today that Utah, this is the best defense they played. Now, obviously, you know, coach speak, they're going to they're gonna say stuff like that. But, uh, you know, went up against Auburn in game number one. And you saw you saw the type of defense Auburn had last weekend. So I mean, granted, Oregon's entire wide receiving core was out that game. Oh, for sure, for sure, and 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 just like any team, they've gotten better over the course of the season, just as Utah has. But there is a lot of similarities between these teams, offensively, defensively. They both are averaging offensively thirty-five points a game. Um, Cam, you mentioned uh, yardage is exactly the same. Defense is is pretty close, but Utah—that's where you kind of see a little bit of a gap um, um, between between the two right now. Oregon's they're giving up 15 points a game we're giving up 11 uh, they're giving up 331 yards um, per game we're getting up 241 with the big discrepancy coming against the rush and that's that's where you know that's where we we buttered our bread all year long is stopping the run and if we can make Herbert one-dimensional so he does not have that ground game to rely upon, and it's upon his shoulders. You've seen when it gets put on him, and he's got to throw the ball a ton. He makes mistakes. He's not. He's not a. He's not a top draft he, pick. He's really up and down. He is. He's all over the place. And well, and he really becomes one dimensional with the running game because he's not a running quarterback. I mean, he's got some wills, but but you're right. He's not. They're not designing plays for him to go out and. And and run the ball down people's throats by any means, um, you know. I mean, if you compare Herbert and Huntley's completion percentage, fairly you know fairly close. Uh, Herbert's completing sixty seven percent of his passes to Huntley seventy five, but the difference is Herbert has as many completions as 
Tyler has attempts. So Oregon throws the ball more. They're not going to run it as much as Utah does. So that's that's going to be a bit of a difference. Um, but with that being said, with, with that many fewer attempts that Tyler has, he's only like 400 yards in passing behind uh, behind the first-round draft pick in Mr. Herbert. And I know this doesn't always play out the way that you think it should, but if you go, if you look at some of the head-to-head matchups that uh, both these teams have had uh, against uh, similar opponents, Utah has destroyed teams that he have either beaten Oregon or Oregon has had to battle to the end to beat. And that doesn't always play out in the, in the favor. Utah's got to go out, go play play the game to win this game and they've got to play well but if you look at things like stats like you were talking about and head-to-head matchups it it favors utah well i mean a year ago granted you can't take into account that's last year's team for both of these uh both of the programs but we beat them with a backup running back and a backup quarterback making their first starts last year so you know Oregon kind of has this perception of this dangerous team, and they can. They can be a team that can score in bunches and and at times are very pro- prolific offensively. But they're not the Oregon of old that is just a consistent, prolific offense. They have their moments, but they have their WTF moments too where you don't know what they're trying to accomplish out there, and they look like a mess. Well, for three, almost three and a half quarters against ASU, they couldn't do anything, and all of a sudden they they had 21 points on the board, like, fast. Exactly, and and, and they've got that ability. So you've got, obviously, you know, this defense has got to focus in and continue to play their game to not allow those big plays because I would I – w- I'll give up some – I'll give up points if we can make them sustain drives – 10 play drives and 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 work their way down the field. What we can't do is give up an 80-yard bomb to to Herbert and and allow quick scores that, that means can change, Lewis can't play. Change momentum. <laughs> because that's that's to me what I'm I'm most concerned about going up against Oregon is they've got really good special teams. They've got guys in the kickoff and punt return game. They can take it to the house. Well, we saw that in their game against USC. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of how they pulled that, away with that, that flipped, with special teams. That flipped the momentum, that flipped the game in in Oregon's favor and then they they took off from there. And that's something that we can't allow happen. And I'm a little concerned about uh Mr. Strout and his kicking off and his They've got sporadic kickoffs. They, it's at sea level, so who knows what his leg's going to be able to do. Uh, but if he has the ability to kick it out of the end zone, he's got to do it every single time. Yes. And and, and our, our coverage has been really good this year. So, But I do not want to see. I do not want. We cannot afford to give up cheap points through special teams, blunders, or anything like that. That's... That's going to be the biggest concern is take care of the ball, don't allow any any special teams points, and then make Oregon earn through long, sustained drives their points. If we can do that, I love, absolutely love our chances. I think Utah also kind of has an advantage coming in playing in last year's game. And obviously it didn't go the way Utah wanted, but just having that experience of, of having to go through this process to get ready for a game. And the uh, pressure the that comes game, with it. How, you know, playing in that venue and that pressure, what you said, I think that that helps Utah. I mean, obviously, I don't think that pushes them over the edge as far as the win or loss column. But I, I think that kind of aids in, in 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 Utah's favor. And from a coaching standpoint, too, I mean, these coaches learned last year what worked, what didn't work as they prepared for that game, what worked in the game. Um, it's not just a player thing. I think this helps the playing last year helps the coaches prepare better. One another factor in this game is going to be the weather. I'm looking at the weather right now, and Friday it is supposed to rain. It is not going to be. It is not going to be good weather for this game. Um, they're expecting to get uh, quite a bit of rain actually throughout the day, and then even during the game itself, unless something changes. But that that can have a factor. In in what you can do offensively, it I, I was at I was at that game last year, San Francisco that that area and especially how that stadium sits, 
there's wind tunnels going in and out of that place. And so you factor in if you have you have strong winds, you've got rain, that's going to affect both offenses, which where the running game comes into play. And being able to run the ball, sustain some drives, and then just supplement your offense through the passing game with what you can due to the weather element. So I, I think that's – I'm anxious to see that. But weather games always scare me because it just it levels the playing field. Not 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 to say that there's a big discrepancy in, in these teams because they're both pretty even, I think. And, and this is going to be kind of one of a, more of a, a Washington-like game where it's close going down the stretch versus these blowouts that we've been experiencing for the last month and a half of the season but got to hold on to that ball that's, man that's going to be key especially if it's bad weather because we've had a few rain games this year at home and we've had some we've had the ability to turn the ball over when the when it's a little wet and and it's it hasn't come back to bite us uh but I think some of those games were, I mean, one of them was the ASU game. We turned that over a few times, but in a, in a, in a big game against a, a good opponent, that could come back and bite you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, joining us on the phone now is Adam from the Quack 12 podcast. Adam, how are you doing? Showing good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. How are we doing, Adam? Hey, Adam. Doing good, Scott. Doing good, Ryan. Well, good. Ready for a little battle on Friday? Oh, man. So this is like the first Pac-12 championship title game that means anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a I big can't, one. You know, it would have been... I would have been a little more excited if we were 11-1 like y'all, but um, I'm so stoked. I mean, it's so interesting that these two teams are haven't played each other already and that you you really don't know what you're going to get and how similar they are in a lot of ways and at the same time drastically different i i'm so excited for friday yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing it uh we 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 are wondering what happened against asu <laughs> yeah that's a good question yeah. so am i in a way you know <laughs> yeah. um first yeah uh, I would say Jaden Daniels is is pretty damn good. Had uh, the game of his life against us. Um, and then I wouldn't be a, a true Homer fan if I didn't go straight to some injuries we had, right? Uh, so Jake Hansen, our starting center, got injured in the first half, uh, missed the second half, which means our right tackle moved over to the center position. And then Brady Aiello came in, replaced him. The snaps were a little off, and uh, I was talking to my friend Hitladay, and uh, he I think he put it really well that um, that really threw the kind of higher snaps, the off snaps, really throws the RPO game off, and that's really Justin Herbert's bread and butter. And then on top of all that, uh, Jalen Red wasn't there as well, go-to receiver for us. But Justin Herbert just had an off game too, and it's been it's been happening. You know, he gets a lot of NFL hype, but he is a very uh, human quarterback. And um, a couple of times too, it's just uh, ASU's receivers. They, I mean, Brandon Ayuk especially, <laughs> uh, just made some great plays and are. You know, I'm, I really love our cornerbacks and our safety, our defensive backs, but, you know, they made some mistakes and ASU made some good plays. And, you know, you just got to give it up for Herm. And so, Adam, so you, you kind of bring up Justin Herbert. You know, he has gotten a lot of attention um, over the last year or so as, you know, an NFL prospect and, and one of the top ones uh, in this class. You know, what are kind of his strengths um, that make him such a, a dynamic quarterback? Well, strengths, like I said, he, he's been, uh, they added an RPO element a lot more 
to Oregon's offense, and that's been one of the most uh, productive aspects of this Arroyo offense. Justin Herbert is excellent at this, uh, really has taken advantage of it. Uh, also, the reason why NFL scouts are so uh, intrigued by him is just he really fits the box, like, body-wise. He's just the perfect shape for a starting quarterback. Not only that, uh, you know, he, he's tall, he's big. He actually can run, even though he doesn't run all that often. I think we're still afraid uh, because of that collarbone injury against Cal last or two years ago. But um, he can make any throw you ask of him. Uh, I think some of his weaknesses are, you know, between the ears a little bit. He gets He gets rattled. And, and sometimes you just wonder, like, is this the same, you know, uh, starter that we've had this whole time? Because right now he's looking like a, a bit of a freshman or something. But he can make any throw you ask of him. Uh, and I, I think he, he's got everything there to, to really be even successful in the NFL. Um, it'll be, you know, a lot of us joke it'd be nice if he went lower in the draft so he could maybe get some bench time, be on a, a good team and not, you know, be like a Marcus Mariota at Tennessee situation. Kind of looking at these two teams, historically Utah has been a defensive team. That's really where, where their, their focus, where their strength is offensively has really been, you know, up and down over the years. On the opposite side, Oregon, they, they've been the offensive team. They, they've been known for that, that offense under Chip Kelly and, and what, you've, what Oregon has done since. Now you kind of flip it. Oregon's got a really good defense. Utah has, has come out with, with a good offense to match their defense. Tell us, a, break down the, this defense and the improvements that have been made this year to allow um, Oregon to be one of the top defenses in the, in the conference. Yeah, um, so obviously Andy Avalos in his first uh, year uh, as Oregon's D.C., replacing Jim Levitt. And, and Jim Levitt did some great things for the defense as well, especially where they were at, uh, coming from just some really, really god-awful defenses under the Helfrich era. Um, Levitt certainly helped develop these players, and but Andy Avalos' scheme has been very interesting to watch. It truly is just an, an ever-changing defensive line. Uh, pre- pretty dang hard to read. I think that has helped a lot. Obviously, uh, Chris Wall's recruiting has helped a lot because guys like Mace Puna, uh, the linebacker, um, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, and uh, even uh, Mikhail Wright. Like, these are freshmen that are immediately making big differences in the game. Um, and that combined with a lot of, uh, with some, with some good, uh, developed talent like Jordan Scott, one of our favorite players, uh, any Duck fans love this guy. Uh, the nose tackle, who has just been a, a sure thing. Uh, Troy Guy, obviously a senior, uh, seems like he's been there for forever. Um, I think it was just a perfect combination of a, an exciting scheme, uh, some fresh, very talented play, uh, young, talented players. And then uh, returning talent, um, and at, at times we've we have slipped. I mean, we haven't looked great against say uh, Wazoo. You know, we didn't pull a thirty-eight thirteen win like you guys did. We we struggled at home. Um, so, and I think specifically in the passing game, I think a really good receivers and a really good quarterback. There is yardage for them to have in this game, but. Uh, I, I think just the combination of the pass rush and a talented secondary has done wonders. So one thing I really wanted to talk to you about uh, in, in Winningham's Monday uh, press conference, he, he talked a lot about Oregon's offensive line and, and kind of the matchup mm. between Oregon offensive line versus Utah's defensive line. Uh, so looking at the off, uh, Oregon side, really what what's the strength of this offensive line and what makes them so good? Well, I mean, it is the talking point of when you talk about this offensive line, but it's it's the talking point for a reason. Um, they came into this game with a hundred and or this season with 153 combined starts on the offensive line. Uh, not only that, but they were returning all five starters and five reserves. Uh, so it's just so much depth, um, a lot of strength too. And I think when you're talking about the true uh, the true 
a keystone, a cornerstone, or whatever you want to call it, of this offensive line would have to be uh, Penay Sewell, who's just been on everyone's list ever since he's a freshman. Uh, could very well be the best offensive lineman in the country. Uh, made such a, a big difference right away. And, and in his freshman season, even, starting as a left tackle, uh, when he was injured against Washington, you saw a drastic dip in Oregon's uh, productivity, just not having him out as a freshman. Uh, he's 6'6", 325, but just has is so athletic. It, it's been so fun to watch him. Um, other than that, they are especially good at, uh, I think, giving Justin Herbert some time in the pocket. Which why it's a little more puzzling when he when he makes a bad throw because it's like yeah you had some time to do that too, uh, but um, they've also been pretty good at setting up the run. Uh, that being said, we don't have a we don't have a Zach Moss. I, I'm sure every team in the country would love to have a Zach Moss, but uh, we don't have the running backs to fully take advantage of what I think this offensive line gives them at times. But it really is just the experience is just uh, something Oregon hasn't had possibly ever. What are we looking at uh, turnout wise from Oregon fans for this game on on Friday? You guys have you, you you clinched several weeks back, so there's been there's been some time to 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 sell tickets. What what are we looking at as far as uh, how many fans are traveling down to Santa Clara? Hmm, that's really that's a really interesting question. Uh, I live in Eugene. I can tell you word on the street is like, I don't know if I've talked to anyone that's really, that's going to travel to this game per se. Uh, we seem to travel pretty well. I'd be pretty, I'm very interested. Uh, cause I know Utah fans just from, uh, my, my podcast and, and writing about Pac-12 sports is Utah fans show up. <laughs> like anywhere, like you, you're a very vocal fan base and you, you show up. Uh, so I'd be interested if we can match Utah's, uh, enthusiasm here and, and attendance. Uh, I don't know. There's gotta be a good amount. I'm sure. Especially cause there's been some bad seasons. Uh, I don't know if I have an exact guess, but, but a whole, a whole duck load. Yeah. So, so just, just your perspective, obviously living in Eugene, with the title game in Santa Clara, next year it's going to Vegas. For you guys, what's the more desirable destination? Because Santa Clara is not the easiest place to get to or or to go to. Oh, it's it's absolutely got to be Vegas, right? I mean, uh, the same reason why fans in Eugene would be excited about that is the same reason why anyone in the country would be excited about that <laughs> is because you get to watch these teams play and then win or lose, you're still in Vegas. So you can still have a weekend out of it. And not only that, but as a PAC 12 fan, it just feels, it feels kind of gross to have it in California. You just have it <laughs> set in California. You know, I like it being neutral territory, uh, Sin City. And I like it, um, I've heard, I've never actually been to a Pac-12 championship game there, but I've heard that uh, it's terrible parking-wise and just a nightmare to get there. And, of course, Larry Scott gets it right Friday, 5 p.m., you know? <laughs> so uh, it, it'd have to be Vegas. Yeah, I, I went I went last year uh, for Utah-Washington, and it's not an mm -hmm. easy place to get to. It's expensive, parking, traffic. Yeah, and then you're then you're talking it's five o'clock on a Friday uh, a Friday evening down there, so yeah. it just it just adds yeah. to the the wonderful things that Larry Scott's done for this conference. Well, maybe we can just combine <laughs> our efforts and boo him again, like it happened last year. Yeah, the, regardless of who wins this game, that's uh -huh. Oregon and Ute fans need to come together and and just <laughs> let him know how we feel. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that's the one thing that unites all Pac-12 fans, you know, like Washington fans, Duck fans, uh, Beavers fans. We all want Larry Scott to be fired. So, Adam, with, with Oregon coming in, you know, obviously they had really high expectations um, just a few weeks ago uh, with, with playoffs in mind. Uh, really, you, mm -hmm. you know, I, I hate to use this phrase, but controlling that destiny of theirs. As we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, they, they dropped the game against ASU. Where do you feel mm -hmm. this team is right now coming in into the game? Are they are they still kind of excited with with the possibilities 
of of what can happen if they win or are they still kind of you know a little taken back that they're missing out on, on a, a potential playoff spot yeah you know i i'd be lying if i said i didn't think that affected their play at all i really do think uh there's some some mental lapses that you can see uh, against even oregon state that I'm sure it's affected them at least some. That being said, I think the Pac-12 championship game against, especially if, you know, if it was against like if y'all somehow lost to Colorado and USC was in there, I think it it would be easier to to kind of look past the game a little bit more. But you're such a quality opponent that the Ducks haven't played. That you know, uh, it, like representing the South Division, uh, you know, potential playoff caliber team. I think very much so that uh, I, I don't expect any kind of uh, it to affect their play at all. That they are no longer uh, going to be in a playoff situation. Um, I, I think these. I think Cristobal, to his credit, is is good at getting these guys hyped up when it comes down to it. And yeah, I, I'm sure they're ready. So with that being said, do you have a prediction of the game on how you think it's going to play out? Ooh, that's tough. Um, that is so tough. Yeah, I, uh, you know, because when you look at, I, I don't like transitive wins or transitive scores or anything like that. But it is interesting. These teams have played eight of the same teams, obviously, haven't played each other. So many of them have been so close. For example, they both uh, beat Arizona by exactly 28 points. I love that. Beat Washington by five points for you guys, four points for us. And both of them are scoring. I believe Utah's scoring 35 points a game, and Oregon is scoring 35 points a game. (laughs) So in my heart, I'm, I'm a bit of a pessimist. So I would think that Utah ultimately wins this one because overall they're a more complete, disciplined team, and it just seems like it's y'all's year. But Oregon has been able, even at their ugliest, to keep the games close, to not not let it get too out of hand. So I'd imagine Oregon comes back, they're down by two scores, they get within uh, four, because somehow we make a field goal. And... um, I'd say 34 to 31 uh, Utes. You're going to make a lot of Utah fans happy with that (laughs) prediction. Uh, So so you run the Quack 12 podcast. Uh, Where can people people find you and listen to it? Oh, yeah. uh, Just about any podcast app, I'm sure. Uh, That's Quack 12 podcast. We talk, we're very, very biased, heavy towards Oregon, obviously, but we do talk about all other Pac-12 teams were weekly. We've been every week for about uh, three years or so. And, um, yeah, it shouldn't be too hard to find. Just use Google or Ask Jeeves or whatever you want to do. And uh, I just got uh, one uh, request from you guys, because um, I know you're in Kyle Whittenham's ear, you know. Uh, if you beat us, you know, and that's, that's possible, I want you to really, really, really beat us. So you go to the playoffs, and we can at least get to a Rose Bowl. <laughs> I think the worst situation is you guys beat us, don't make it. You get the Rose Bowl, and we got to go play at the damn Holiday Bowl or something. I, you got a deal. I, no, I, 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 think, like I think we can agree to that. <laughs> okay, Let's lose or win big. That's all I want. Lose or win big. <laughs> we'll take the win big. <laughs> Perfect, Adam. Hey, thanks so much for taking time out of out of your busy schedule and jumping on with us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is quite the game. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a great matchup, and I. I think. I think it's gonna be a really good game. I don't. I don't. I don't really see either team hammering each other. I think. I think it's gonna come down to the wire. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that uh, that does not bode well for getting us both to where you know where we want to go. But uh, because if because it, because in that same scenario, the loser of a close game is is going to be very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just make sure you hold on to the ball when you cross into the end zone. Then I think oh. you have a good show. <laughs> those those are still open wounds. 
Had to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, Adam, yeah. thanks so much, man. Yeah, yeah. All uh, right. Talk to you later. Have a good one, guys. Have bye, a good bye, one. Bye. Take care. See you. So big thank you to Adam for, for jumping on again. Check him out at Quack12 Podcast. You can always read their stuff on Twitter at Quack12 Podcast. Uh, hey, if if Utah can blow Oregon out, I'll, I'll love it. My heart, the stress level will be gone. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, if we a comfortable late fourth quarter would be would be magical. You know, none of the, none of this. I don't want to have to rely on something down the stretch to to get this victory. But uh, but I mean, he brings up a good point because it really is. I mean, in some ways, Oregon sits in a pretty good spot. Because if Utah wins, they still have a chance to go to the Rose Bowl if we go to the playoff. And if we lose, it could be pretty disappointing. This could be one of the bigger disappointing losses that we as a fan base have if we don't pull this out. Because all this talk, it's been playoff, 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 not just from this fan base, but from every national media outlet for weeks now. We if we lose out on the playoff and the Rose Bowl and end up in the flipping Alamo Bowl, that is going to be a gut punch. It will be. That's where our expectations are, and they have been for most of the season. Well, since preseason, I mean, realistically, when the talk started about Utah being good enough to to be in in the playoff, and it died for a bit after the USC. It did loss, die. But... It did die, but it but it came back on a, on a vengeance. Yeah, pretty quick, and uh, oof. Let's just hope. This Come team, on, Utes. This team is on a mission. Utes, prepare well. Play your best game. Us homers need it. Amen, brother. All right. As we close out every episode, we kind of do a Pac-12 pick'em game. Last, The last week of the season, all I have to say is I am your champion. I go 5-1. and one. Ryan, you went 5-1 and one as well. Scott went four and two. It all came down to UCLA Cal, and I went with the, which game did I lose? I went with the eight clap. They well, cost me. We all went Washington State. Oh, so that first game, Washington beats Washington State for their seventh straight Apple Cup, thirty-one to thirteen. But holy crap, was there a lot of controversy in the in the presser after with Leach? Who just went after a reporter, called him a troll. <laughs> I know. Well, it basically threw his own recruiting under the bus. <laughs> yeah, it was not not a good look. I think this whole season just has not been a good look for Leach. Whether calling his players fat and stupid and entitled and lazy um, after the Utah game, um, and then and then this past week, it it really it, it's interesting because when when he's winning, he can be fun and funny and and people just love it uh but when you lose it it has it has kind of some negative effects when you have a coach that outspoken on on things i think one of my favorite tweets after that game was jake browning did you see that that was pretty good he tweeted with his feet up watching the game saying this is the fifth straight year i've watched this game in the fourth quarter with my feet up That's a mic drop. <laughs> and why on earth the leech does not adjust anything? It's ridiculous. He's 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 a stubborn coach. Uh, the next game, Oregon beats Oregon State twenty-four to ten. I I thought that was a, uh, Oregon State played well. I, I only a fourteen-point victory for Oregon. I thought it was going to be much bigger than that. Um, Oregon State is not bowl eligible. I really thought they could uh, this this season. But that, I think that program's on the rise. Yeah, no, they've got a good coach that's, that's got got them going in the in the right direction, and they're going to be able to score points. They've got to get that defense up to at least a mediocrity level. They they've struggled on that defensive side, but uh, no, I I think they've got a bright future. Notre Dame beat Stanford forty five to twenty four. Not a good season at all for Coach Shaw and the Trees. It it'll be interesting to see what they do this off season if they can kind of bounce back. I don't know if Shaw's kind of lost that magic. I it you know what that fan base deserves seasons like that. They've been spoiled with Rose Bowl seasons, Pac-12 titles. 
when nobody shows up to watch them. So they they got a little bit of what they deserve on that. Arizona State beats Arizona 24-14. to Khalil Tate played, I think, in the entire game, but just he, he can't get it done. The, the real interesting thing to me now is Arizona State is bowl eligible, but Herm Edwards just gutted their offense and their offensive coaching staff, saying that they're not putting enough points on. And now there's rumors that he's just going to go and get more NFL buddies there's a, there's in there. A, there's a few more washouts that they'll be able to add. Um, but but honestly, I think to kind of to do that now, I think is interesting. I, I still don't know if I, I I still don't like that Herm Edwards hire. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. The fact that he come out comes out and says that he doesn't like recruiting, your head coach can't say that. Now he, you know, I I think they had a decent season, seven and five, with what they have and what they're what they're trying to build down there, and 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 to do that before the bowl game, I, I don't know, I don't, I just don't know. I I have nothing to say about ASU. They don't deserve time on this podcast. <laughs> and then the last game, the game that put me over the edge to beat Scott. Cal beats UCLA 28 to 18. Hey, but it's not over yet. There is one more Pac-12 game left. I could go Oregon. <laughs> I could I could throw throw a Make this a little bit more difficult here, Cam. It's not over yet. And if Oregon, you pick Oregon and Oregon wins, you're never invited back to this podcast. Hey, but at least it'll be worth it because at least I tied him. (laughs) Uh, So Chip Kelly did get the support of the AD this week, which is never good. Oh, the AD has to make a statement. The AD that's retiring in July, that ought to be good. So on the season, as I said, I won. I went thirty-seven and nineteen. Ryan, you tied Scott thirty-six and twenty. That's back-to-back champs for me. I'm like Utah, back-to-back champs. We'll pull through this time, okay? So the game we're actually the only game we have this week is Oregon and Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. Right now, Utah is a six and a half point favorite. So as much as I loved. The, the blowouts Utah has been putting together this season, I, I really don't think this is going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be close, like what Vegas is predicting. And, and honestly, I think you in a championship game, I think that's kind of how a lot of things play out. Scott, you brought up the weather. I think that will be a, a major factor. But I think Utah gets it done. Uh, I, I think this team, having played there before, they kind of know what to expect. So I have Utah 24, Oregon 17. Right? Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a fairly close game. I think, obviously, I think Utah pulls it out. But I think Utah gets the points they've been averaging this year. Gets thir- I'm going to say Utah 35, but they hold Oregon to 31. Oh, Billy, 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 Billy. Oh, come on, Billy. All right, this is a big week, guys. This is monumental for this program a win that guarantees at worst a rose bowl potentially puts us in a playoff which you you can't even factor what that's going to do for this team and for this program moving forward to get in into either one of those two games but to to have a legit shot to play for a national title is absolutely unreal These seniors came back with unfinished business. Zach Moss came back to do the damn thing in his own words. That's a quote, end quote. (laughs) But this is why those seniors came back, is to give themselves another opportunity. Adam said it. This seems like Utah's year. It has felt like this is our year. I think we do it. I think we're going to be Pac-12 champs. I think we're we're headed to the playoff. You Twitter is going to be amazing. Literally, it's going to be better than Christmas morning <laughs> if we take care of business Friday night. So I want all of you to be, if you have to sacrifice a chicken, whatever you have to do to create some good juju for the Utes Friday night, keep them in your thoughts. Ponder them and make sure 
that we are ready as a fan base for Friday night's game. That's like closing argument. You should have been a lawyer. <laughs> but with that being said, I believe in this Utah team. They are a team of destiny. These, The trio, I'm calling it, the trio, I'm convinced, will go down as Ute legends as they lead us to greatness. The Utes win 28 to 17. Go Utes. Oh my gosh, I'm going to jump. I'm going to eat my microphone right now. Let's go. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. <laughs> and Scott. You can find me wherever there's pondering Ute thoughts. Good tidings of great joy. Let's go. Utes. You can find me at Uman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always catch us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com and anywhere you can listen to a podcast. And, and before we let you go, I do just want to take a moment. This is our 150th episode. Boom. And I honestly, I just want to thank you for listening, for all the support, the messages that we get on Twitter, uh, on email. Um, it, it goes a long way. You know, we just, we do this for fun, uh, and and just knowing the support that we received, it, it's really helped us get to 150. Uh, so we really appreciate it. And hopefully Utah gets that championship and gets that shot for a playoff spot. I think the last three minutes of the fireworks show were dedicated to our 150th episode. <laughs> and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kai-yai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.